This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated, and if you would, grab your Bibles. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray together. Dear God, your servants here, hear your word. Let it be to us according to your word. Change, transform us, mold us, shape us. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. We are uh, in the midst of the Advent season, as you can tell. Actually, the wonderful decorations around uh, the sanctuary help draw us into that uh, realization. If, by any possibility, you haven't already realized it, given the uh, nature of the materialism around us, the world around us. Uh, and it's easy for us, I think, to get caught up in the fact of the gold and the glitter and the uh, the, the uh, wonderment, the festivities, all of what is around us, it's easy to get so distracted by those things that we forget, of course, that Jesus is the reason for the season. And that's a cute phrase, and it's a phrase that should stick with a lot of Christians because of how important it is for us to maintain that. It's easy to get lost uh, it's easy for Jesus during this season to get lost because of all of the festivities, because of the celebrations, because of the family, because of the gifts, and all the things that are very important and very wonderful, uh, but the gold and the glitter and the lights can be a distraction. And what we need instead is to remind ourselves over and over again that Jesus indeed is the reason for the season. But why is Jesus the reason for the season. It's easy to say that, and as Christians, most of us are connected well enough with the church that we kind of realize that that's the case, but it's kind of hard, or it's easy, I guess, to kind of just allow that to be a generic idea, a vague general concept that Jesus is a reason for the season, without exploring why that's the case. Why is it 
that Jesus is the reason for the season? What's the reason behind the reason for the season? One of the many ways in which my family teases me, uh, one of my quirks, one of my many quirks, is that I like to get to a movie on time. Like, not just on time, but plenty early. I, I want to make sure that I catch every uh, uh, preview. I, I don't want to miss anything that's on, that's on, TV, that's on the movie screen. Uh, so my family always teases me that uh, if we're at an 8 o'clock movie, 7 is not too early. Uh, so, we, you know, we get there plenty early across these movies. But that's in part because if you ever show up a little bit late to a movie, you can only be three or four minutes late to the movie, and already you've got a vague general notion about why the heroes are doing what they're doing and why they're looking for what they're looking for. But you can go through almost the entire movie just with this vague general sense because you miss that opening section. I think that's the way that a lot of Christians go through Advent and through the Christmas season. They know Jesus is important, but it's just this vague general sense about why. Now, it's not so hard for us to identify why, because Jesus himself articulates in numerous times in the scriptures, he says, I have come for this reason. What we're doing in the Advent season is we're going to look at five of those different statements where Jesus says, look, I have done this, I have come for this particular reason. He is identifying for us himself what the Advent season is supposed to be about. Why is it that he has come? Why is Jesus the reason for the season? And so we look at those statements, and the one we're looking at today, last week we looked at the one where Jesus says, look, I came to seek and save the lost. What's the reason for Jesus coming? To seek and to save the lost. Today in Matthew chapter 5, right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says these words, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So right off the bat here, Jesus here articulates for us why he came. What is the reason why Jesus was born? Why did Jesus come by any stretch of the imagination? And notice that they were already speculating about it. Uh, this is early on, most likely, in Jesus' ministry. So probably only within a year of his time of preaching throughout the time of Galilee, he gives this sermon and he articulates this, and already there's been speculation. He says, do not think that I have come. So there's already been some wild speculations about the reason why Jesus came. Let me tell you, you don't have to pay too much attention in our society today and within the church today to hear some incredibly disconcerting reasons why people assert that Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? Just this week, I was not keeping track of them because, of course, I, I know where I'm going sermon-wise, so I want to keep track of these things. Just this week, I had somebody articulate really strongly to me that Jesus wanted to know what it was like to be human. So that's the reason why he came, because he wanted to be like us. And then I had somebody else articulate that he wanted that Jesus, God, wouldn't be complete without us humans. So Jesus came because somehow there was this great deficiency within God that he needed to fill. And so he filled by sending his son here to this earth. There's lots of speculation about why Jesus came. Lots of understanding. And of course, Jesus himself confronts that when he says in the Sermon on the Mount, do not think that I have come for all of these bad reasons. Well, if we're not supposed to think that he came for all these bad reasons, why 
do we think? What do we think he came for? Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. Uh, real quickly, what are we talking about with the law and the prophets? We are talking, of course, about the scriptures as a, as a whole. The law and the prophets is a shorthand way of saying the whole Old Testament. We're not specifying here just the, say, 613 specific laws that the Old Testament contains or the prophetic books in specific. That's Jesus' shorthand for the Old Testament. Do not think that I've come to abolish the Old Testament. Now, why would anybody think that he can, would come to abolish the Old Testament? Well, let's face it, for most of us, when we read the Old Testament, it's hard going, for one thing, to get through, but on top of that, it's hard. To live according to the Old Testament is difficult. And so, there's a desire on a lot of people's minds, I think, and we see this, I see this all the time in the church, including in our church. The Old Testament is hard, thank goodness Jesus came, because he can make it easy for us. And so the idea is that the Old Testament is difficult and hard, so we're really glad that God came to get rid of all that stuff. Jesus came to get rid of all that stuff, so we can just focus in on Jesus. And Jesus himself says, don't think that that's true. A little bit later, just a couple of verses further on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not see the kingdom of God. Your righteousness, is, this has not made it easier for us. Jesus' coming is not supposedly taking the hard parts of the law and getting it out of the way so that things are easy for us. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. So what did Jesus come for? I have not come to abolish them. Okay, here's Jesus' Christmas answer. Why? Why is Jesus come to earth? Why is there Christmas? According to Jesus, it is this reason. I have come not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Jesus came not to abolish the Old Testament, but to fulfill the Old Testament. Now, what does that mean? We could take forever, scholars have taken forever, to determine, to talk about what it means that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. We can't trace all of their thoughts tonight, today. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about how Jesus coming to the earth to, abol no, uh, to fulfill the Old Testament, to fulfill the law and the prophets, allows us to see the Father first. Jesus coming to fulfill the law allows us to understand God's will for us. And third, Jesus coming to fulfill the law allows us to be drawn into his presence. So to see the Father, to understand God's will for our lives, and to be drawn into his presence. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill them. So he's fulfilling the Old Testament. He's fulfilling the law in the, Old, in, in the Old Testament. What does it mean to fulfill the law? What does it mean that Jesus did this? Well, we, we have to understand the purpose of the law. What is the law given for? For most of us, when we read the Old Testament, even when we hear the word law, to most of us, what that means is that this is some kind of a legal strict code. There's 613, according to some counts, 613 different 
legal statutes that are laid out in the, in the Old Testament. And for Jesus to fulfill those kind of things for us, God gave us those things so that he's telling us, look, here's a 613 things that I want you to do. And if you do these 613 things, then you're good off, you're, you're well off and stuff like that. But that's not the intent of the Old Testament, strictly speaking. The point of the Old Testament is to reveal who the Father is, reveal who God is. That's the goal of the Old Testament for the reader is to see God as he really is. Think about how well you can learn your parents by the way they raised you. What were the things that were important to them? What were the rules that they had, the household rules? What were the directives that they gave? All of those kind of things. As you think through those things, what Jesus, what uh, your parents wanted for you, you get insight into who your parents are. That's exactly why it is that Jesus, God, gives to us the Old Testament. He gives us the Old Testament as a window into his very self. This is who I am. These are the things that are important to me. These are the things that show me who I really am. So when we read the Old Testament, what we are seeing not simply is, look, this is how you're supposed to live your life. What we're doing is we're seeing what is important. What is Jesus' heart? What is, what is God's desire? What is his passion for us? All of those things are embedded within the law. And Jesus fulfills those things for us. In other words, in Christ, everything in the law that is supposed to reveal God to us comes to us in fruition, in completion, in the person of Jesus Christ. When we see Jesus Christ, we see the fulfillment of the law. We see everything that the law was intended to do. What was the law intended to do? It was intended to show us Jesus and show us God the Father. So you have this time, and this happens three years into Jesus's ministry, after the disciples had been with Jesus for this entire time and walking with him, etc. Finally, towards the end of Jesus' ministry in his life, Thomas says to him, Lord, just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And Jesus sits there and says, I have fulfilled the law. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. What is the summary of the Old Testament law? The summary of the Old Testament law is Jesus Christ in his revelation of God the Father. Now, I maintain, uh, and this is an ancient way of speaking, this is a, a thousand years old at this point, uh, a way of talking about the goal of the Christian life. What is the, at the heart of the Christian life? It, it's the, the beatific vision. It's to see God face to face. This comes off of Paul saying, you know, we see through a glass darkly now, but at one point we will see God as he really is. We'll see him face to face. And man, that has rung throughout the church ages as a great definition for the Christian life, that we will see him as he truly is. The Lord has given us insight exactly into who he truly is when he has provided the scripture for us. And he has given us Jesus Christ, the fullness of that revelation, the fulfillment of that revelation, 
so that we can see God as he truly is. If your heart yearns to see God, if you have that passion, now in the bustle and busyness of the day, it's hard to keep track of all of that. I realize this. But when you sit, when you take time and you sit there and say, as I stand before the Lord, as I kneel before the Lord, my maker, what's at the heart of what I desire? If it, what the heart you desire is to see God face to face, then the Lord has provided the scriptures for you to do that. And then the fulfillment of the scriptures in Jesus Christ. This is why we urge, plead, almost beg with you. Spend time in the scripture. Because Christ has fulfilled that. And in seeing that, we actually see the very face of God. Why is it that Christ came to earth? Why do we have all the lights? Why do we have all the decorations? Why are we celebrating? Because through Christ, his fulfillment of the law, we see the Father as he truly is. But it's more than that. The Old Testament law has another intent, another goal, and part of that goal is not to direct us in how we're supposed to live our lives today. Okay, it is that. It it, it is indeed a list of 613 commands that the Lord desires for us to be faithful to. Okay, that's true, but it's not just that. What the law does is it reveals who we were created to be. What, what were we created for? What's our purpose in life? What, what is, what is, why did God even bother with me? Why did God bother with you? The purpose of your life is laid forward to us in the scriptures. When God describes the law to us, when he takes us through those Old Testament stories, when he takes us through the prophets and Proverbs and all all the material that is covered in the Old Testament, when he takes us through all of that, what he is showing to us is, hey, this is what you're intended for. This is what you're created for. And I sit there and think, why is it so hard for me to follow simple desires that I know the Lord has for me. I know the Lord desires for me to be a lot more compassionate than what I am, a lot more patient than what I am. He wants me to take him so much more seriously than what I do. He desires for me to be a a servant to my brothers and sisters so much more faithfully than what I am. And all of those things, where do I get that picture? Where do I get that image? I get that sense not just because it's built into my very core existence, but I get that picture from looking at the scriptures. That's why we read the scripture, because the scripture reveals to us what God intends for us. And that is what is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. When Christ says, I have come to fulfill the law, what we're saying is all of that intent, all of that goal for who you should be comes to its completion, its head, its perfection in Jesus Christ. So that's why Jesus Christ says to his disciples and he says to every one of us, follow me. If you love me, you will obey my commands. You will do what I do. Why does God desire for us to do those kind of things? Because that's the fulfillment of the law. 
if we want to see what it's like to be a human the way God intended humanity to be, we look and we see Jesus Christ. Not because God fashioned him any better than all the rest of us, but because he's the fulfillment of the law. Every intent, all that desire, all the passion that is built into the law that reveals who we are, that comes to its fullness in Jesus Christ. So Christ says, why the reason for the season? The reason for the season is so that you might see what you're really intended for. Anytime you have that sense of quandary, that questioning of your purpose, the wonder if what your God's will is for your life and what does God want from me and why am I here and what's my purpose in life, the fulfillment of all of those questions is Jesus Christ. The words, the way in which we learn it is through the scripture. And then we look to Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of these things. If I give you directions to my house, I, you know, hey, here's how you get to my house, and then I describe my house to you, you know, it's, it looks like this, and stuff like that. There's the outside chance that all I'm doing is giving you information. Here's a piece of information you, you don't know about. My door is red. Is our door red? Our door is... is uh, we have a door on the front of our house. Uh, you know, so, it, you know, I could be just giving you information that I have this, you know, this is the, but that's probably not what I'm doing. I'm telling you about the directions to my house because I have a desire that you would come to my house. There's a possibility, an outside possibility, that the Old Testament is here just to tell us who God is and just to tell us who we're supposed to be. There's a chance that that's the case, but I don't think so. God's intent in saying, look, this is who I am. God's intent in saying, look, this is what you're created to be is so that we might be drawn into intimate, meaningful communion with our God. That's what the Old Testament sets up for us. A yearning that this is who God really is. This is who you really are. And now guess what? Now it's God's intent that we come together and be forever in his presence. And if you read the Old Testament, or if you read the New Testament, and you have any self-reflection at all, any sense of yourself at all, you sit there and think, wow, there's a lot here. And I'm afraid it's all beyond me. God is this. That's what's described in the scriptures. I see a picture of God as he really is. I see Jesus, the fulfillment of that. And I see God as he really is. And I sit there and think, wow, but that's not me. And then I see the intent that God has built into the creation of humanity, the creation of me. I see what he wants for me. I see the way he fashioned and shapes me. And I sit there and think, but I'm not those things. And I fear that the goal of God showing me those things, that we would come together for this intimacy, this sweet communion that I could have with God, is beyond me. And then I read again Jesus' words 
that he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scripture, that he's a fulfillment of the New Testament word, that Jesus is the one that will make happen the very things that scripture yearns for. Scripture causes me to desire to be one with God, causes me to desire to walk with the Lord, to be faithful, to be obedient, all of those kind of things. And yet I realize in my own power I have none of that ability. And when Jesus says, that's the reason I came, I came so that you might just not know the directions to Henry's house, but that you might actually come to Henry's house, that we might not just know what God is like and what he desires for me, but that all the barriers that separate me from God would be torn down. And that, of course, happens nowhere else but at the cross of Jesus Christ. When Jesus says that he has come to fulfill the law, he has come to fulfill the intent, the purpose, the goal of the law, the goal of our creation, the goal of revealing Jesus to us, that we would come to him that we would walk with him, that we would be with him. And that's impossible, save for the Christmas coming of Jesus Christ, which is nothing but a journey to the cross. Over the next couple of weeks, I desperately want you to reflect again upon why it is that Christ is the reason for the season. Why is Jesus the reason for the season? And today I want you to reflect on the reality that you you will never see, never see the Father the way he intends without seeing the fullness of Jesus Christ. And that is Christ from the cradle to the cross and beyond. That you will never understand yourself, you will never understand your purpose in life unless you look intently at the fullness of Jesus Christ from the cradle to the cross and beyond. And that because of the cradle and the cross and beyond, we can fulfill the very intent and purpose of the scriptures, the very intent and purpose of Jesus Christ to be in sweet communion with our creator our Redeemer and our Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord.